Welcome, live stream folks. Those who are watching real time and those who will be watching later on YouTube or on our webpage or our Facebook page, I'm sorry, or podcasting through Spotify and all the other places you can find us. We're in a study from the book of Ephesians, and uh, we're going to get back into that. I'm still living on the high of last week. Last Sunday morning was just amazing. So thankful for what the Lord is doing. So anyway, what are, what are we doing here? What are we doing here on this earth? Um, here's why I'm, I'm preaching this series uh, from Ephesians. Because we are in an identity crisis in the church world in the West. Um, we have to come into the light and see who Christ is again and see who we are in Christ. I believe we also have a word of God crisis in the church that's why I'm asking you, please, bring your Bible with you, because I have tucked into my sermon passages that I did not send out to be placed into the PowerPoint on purpose. And uh, anyway, we'll talk more about that in a minute. But um, this is, uh, there are sermons all over the place, just at the touch of a button on an app, preachers, churches everywhere. I think we might be the most biblically illiterate generation since when the, before the Bible was translated into English language. We have a ministry crisis in the church world. And what I mean by that is the church as a collective across denominational lines has not fully matured into the metaphors we're talking about in Ephesians. While all at the same time we are in a spiritual war of deception and darkness like I've never known in my entire life. That's why I'm doing this series called Real Church. Real Church, our life, it's about growing in our faith. Not just coming to faith, but growing in our faith. And giving our lives, not just one time, but all the time, over and over Every time the Lord calls us to himself. Salvation is not the end of this thing. It's the beginning. And you know what else I realize? And I've been realizing this over and over. Christian living is not a 100-yard dash. It's a cross-country marathon run. And it's not who you're with necessarily right now or who's out in front of you right now. You know what? What is going to matter who crosses the finish line? That's, when it, that's what's going to matter. Who crosses the finish line? Bob Dylan said in a lyric, he who is not busy being born is busy dying. And my addition is, he who is not busy being born again is dying again. We who are born of the Holy Spirit by putting our faith in Jesus Christ literally have the power of the Holy Spirit on the inside of us. That means the very nature of God himself is within us, and he has been placed within us so that we can grow up in him, not just grow old in church, but grow up in the church and be fully mature. And what I mean by fully mature is that we walk out our own Christian life in a manner Worthy of what Jesus has called us to. I want to refer to this in ongoing messages as the Genesis realm. And I'm going to tell you what I mean by that. The Genesis realm to me is, is an ongoing, ever-flowing 
God working, Holy Spirit energizing power where the Lord incrementally continues to lead each of us into the, what Paul calls the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. People who are born of the spirit have been born into the life of the spirit, which I'll call the Genesis realm. Each of us as believers are a cell within the body of Jesus Christ on earth. Christ has no body on earth except ours as believers, and each of us is to be a healthy, living cell called into servanting, all of us. I thought of this when I was studying uh, about that this week, and it reminded me about what took place on that tragic day at Fort Hill High School when football players and students raced as one person to Quan's side. Sadly, as he was breathing his last and bleeding, there were kids pressing their hand on the wound. And it reminded me of how we are to be as the people of God. Cells in the body rally toward places in the body where there is infection or revolt to bring aid. And that's what we're called to do. We are all cells rallying around one another. We are called to be family, really family. This is not like going to the movies and sitting next to somebody you don't know even though you may not know. If every person in this room is a born-again child of God, they are your real family. The person sitting around you is your brother, is your sister. And God wants us to be in the Genesis realm, meaning he wants us to go with his flow. He wants us to, to go with his flow, and it's more than praying about becoming something. It's more than praying about God doing something. That's so important. But it's about going with the one we're praying to. He is going somewhere. I, 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 say, I say this as my uh, notes just went wacky on my, on my uh, computer. Um, we are... Uh, it's like being on a God conveyor belt. And when we get on it, we are going somewhere with God. It's like a connection that he's placed between us and the Holy Spirit and has ordained before the foundation of the world that we would get on it and we would walk with him and, and we would fulfill our own unique purpose in the family of God, listening to his voice as sheep, the shepherd speaking, that as we go out into the world, we are actually living temples of the presence of Jesus around people. And that we are not only a body and we're not only people that listen to the Lord and follow him, we're not only people who are connected to one another, but we are the bride of Christ. We are to live in the midst of a world that's in love with itself and in love with the world to show them through witness that we love another, that we are holy and hopefully devoted to Jesus himself and that we are living with anticipation of his soon return and we live in holiness and fervent love and devotion to him in such a way that it might create an interest in people who don't know him to ask, how do they get an invitation to this wedding that we are anticipating soon to happen? 
And we're also part of an army. The church is not a cruise ship. It's a battle ship. And we are to engage darkness through prayer, through worship, through prophetic stand against the dark tides, not politically, not patriotically, but like Jesus would, as Jesus would. That's why we're doing this series. With that said, I want to take you today again to chapter 4. We're going to continue talking about the giver, Jesus, and the gifted. And we are looking at a particular portion of the gifted within the church. This portion of the gifted within the church that we're going to look at today are those who are gifts from Jesus to the body of Christ. Jesus gifts everybody in the body of Christ, but there are people that he has guided in the calling to to be in a place, in an office, and has gifted them to the church. And we see them in Ephesians chapter 4, starting in verse 11. And he gave some as apostles, and some as prophets, and some as evangelists, and some as pastors and teachers. Can I stop there and tell you that in the original manuscript, the Greek language, there is no word and. Most scholars have come to to believe that this is a a dual term, pastor-teachers. Or you could say it this way, there's a certain spiritual gift where, where men or women teach, they pastor through teaching. Teaching the Bible, preaching the Bible. We'll get into that. And and these four or five gifted types to the church have a purpose for the equipping of the saints, for the work of service, to the building up of the body of Christ. All right? So here's the focus that God wants the apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastor, teachers, to have. You'll see in the next slide, you you will see uh, how I broke this down. Yeah. You see in the brackets, the A and the backslash S uh, that I put before the equipping, and I put before the work, and to the building up. This is telling us that the Holy Spirit Now, not necessarily the church spirit, but the Holy Spirit, Jesus himself, has a mission to build his church, not the building, but you and I, so that we will grow up and be the actual body of Jesus on the earth, the the family of God, that we will represent a, a holy love relationship devoted that makes the world hunger for such a love, and that we will engage darkness by being his army. The focus, that's, that's what Jesus, that's how Jesus defines whether or not we are a healthy church. Whether or not the church is really doing what she has been ordained to do. You know, there are certain NFL stadiums today that are going to be filled, 50, 60,000 people, and they're going to be watching a loser. They're going to be paying a bunch of money to drink a bunch of beer and eat a bunch of hot dogs or whatever. And they're going to, and they've paid more money than, 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 you know, to park. And they're going to sit all day and watch a loser. 
There are, there are people in cities all around that are season ticket holders generationally and have never watched a winner except the team that comes in to play their team. So you can't gauge the success of that organization by how many fans show up. Nor can you only evaluate the success of a church by how many Jesus fans show up. According to the Word of God, we evaluate the success of a church on whether or not the four and fivers, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastor, teachers, are focusing on what the Lord wants them to focus on, and then we'll see whether or not the people of God are growing up so that there is a greater awareness that we are a body functioning, we are a flock listening, we are a family connecting, we are a bride in holy love, and we are engaging darkness. That's how you determine whether a church is successful. Yeah. The AS is a Greek... Uh, the way these words are constructed in the Greek language, the God is showing us something powerful. A stands for accusative, and S stands for singular. So... The focus of the spirit-led four and fivers, that's what I'm going to call that, instead of saying apostle every time, the four and fivers. And I say it's fours, but others say fivers because they want to put the and, pastor's and. I like to go with the original because the Bible can never mean what it never meant. And if it's not in the original Greek, throw it in if you want, but it's not in there. It says pastor teachers, okay? So that's four. You want to do fivers? I'll help. You're welcome here. Uh, okay. So... The four and fivers focus, the, the accusative tense of the Greek word means focus. Jesus and the Holy Spirit have called and gifted some, not all, into this office of ministering to the body of Christ in such a way that they will stay on focus. And it's a singular not plural, meaning there aren't all these multiple tasks of pastor teachers and evangelists, not over here, over there, chasing rabbits, doing this, doing this. For the equipping, for the work, to the building until we all. Meaning this is the focus that God wants the four and fivers to be on and stay on and abide in until we all, what? reach the unity of the faith, the knowledge, and we present to this world a manifestation of the fullness of Jesus Christ on the earth. Raise your hand if you think we're way past that and way arrived there. Raise your hand. Right. We have a crisis of ministry. Apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers minister to the church by this thing called the equipping. That means that these four and fivers are led by the Holy Spirit, led by the Holy Spirit to minister in a way from the Word that the church moves toward a certain kind of location. That location is what I'm calling the Genesis realm, meaning that 
they move into a place where God's power can work within the saints, within the believers. You. If you are born of the Holy Spirit, if Jesus is really in your life, if you're born of the Holy Spirit, and you have a relationship in the Spirit with God through Jesus Christ in the Word, the four and fibers are to be are gifted, and if they abide on this accusative singular focus, God can work to bring, listen, can bring you into your heaven-born fullness, into your heaven-born fulfillment, so that you can do what God has rebirthed you to do, so that you can be who God birthed you to be. The four and fivers are to minister the church into the living streams of God's living water, into the life-giving, quickening winds of the Spirit. Why? Why is that so important? Why is it so important that you pray for me and you pray for your pastor, or if you're watching, that you pray for your pastor, you pray for the spiritual leadership in your church because the winds are blowing and we're supposed to go in all kinds of directions. Let me talk about that for a minute. The need right now in the church of Jesus Christ is so great. And the church is so immature. And I don't mean that as a slight on you or me. It's just a fact. Not immature maybe in the sense of how much Bible you know or I know or whatever. Or if we could pass a Bible quiz. But in contrast to the metaphors... How we function as the body of Christ. Not even talking about how each part of the body of Christ in a city functions collectively with other churches in the city. Right? It's not like we're playing against Calvary Baptist today. We hope we have a better church service than they do. And we can look out over the city and maybe we can woo a sheep. Come on over to the Patriots. Because we need a wide rec- If we can just... That's why we have uh, Secret Service protecting Dustin and Ollie and Devin. No, I'm just That's why we pay them the big bucks. Over the past 100 years, we have predominantly watched as four and fivers who are paid to do the ministry in the mindset of the immature mindset. Although Jesus placed them in an accusative singular and by the Spirit wants to use those men and women to to create an an environment within the church so that you can naturally grow as a healthy functioning cell in the body of Christ to serve as only you can uniquely serve. I'm going to be speaking to future four and fivers that are in this room. 
Dear Lord, I hope there are. I hope the future, I hope 10 years from today, our church is stronger than it is now. I hope that we hear little young ones that are in Shine Kids and in the move awakening to a voice from the Holy Spirit. We're all called, but they begin to talk about special guidance that they're hearing from the Lord about taking the lead and grasping the baton and stepping into places of influence. Amen? And, I, and so I am going to try to deprogram us and deconstruct a present mindset that has been produced over the last 100 years to make the fourfold and fivefold ministry dominant as the emphasis and focus. We know more names of preachers than we do people that go to those preachers' churches. And we have not matured the church in the body of Christ. The past generation is known for great evangelists who were soul winners. Thank God for that. But do you know many of the people, Billy Graham said that probably 80% of the people that got, quote, converted in his ministry never went on to follow to be a disciple of Jesus? So the four and fivers need to get into the accusative singular tense. And the church needs to let them. Amen's drowning me out on that. That's kind of... When I was thinking about this, I was thinking about the tabernacle motif in the Old Testament. The tabernacle was this temporary dwelling place that God called Moses to make exactly like the pattern the Presbyterians had. No. Exactly like the pattern he showed him on the holy mountain. And it was a three-part compartment tent of meeting where God was going to use an instructional for 40 years illustration on how people met with God and, and would unfold the whole uh, plan of salvation in Christ. I don't have time for that today. I just want to point out a couple things. Only the high priest could go into the Holy of Holies once a year, but the designated priesthood could go in every day. They needed to go in every day. And you could come to a certain part of that tent, but you couldn't go all the way in, and someone had to represent you. It was a threefold part. I wish I had my board here. I'd, 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 I'd draw it up real quick. So just try to go with me in your head. You would come to the gate, and the first it, there would be natural light. It, there was no covering over the front part. And there was an altar uh, called the, the, the bronze altar. It's where you brought your offering, and it had to be the kind God wanted and the priest would, would, do, uh, would, would offer it, and then the priest would take that offering into uh, the holy place. There was the holy place and the holy of holies. In the holy place, there was only two things. And here's the thing about the holy place. There was no natural lighting in there, none. It was covered with curtains on top in the point that it was pitch dark within the holy place. But there were two things inside there. One was, it was the golden lampstand, and there was only a certain kind of oil that you could use for that. You couldn't use common oil. It had to be oil that was beaten by, you had to beat olives. And you, and you, and you made the lampstand uh, fuel out of the beaten olives. And it had seven branches on it. 
And it was the only light that would be in the holy place, and there was only one other thing in there, and it was a table. And on that table, the priest was to place two rows of six loaves of bread fresh every day. It was called the bread of the face in the Hebrew. The bread of the face or the bread of the presence. It was to represent God's presence feeding his people. But here's the, here's the, here's the key. The only way to see the bread was through the light of the lampstand. The only way to see the bread was through the, was through the symbol of the Holy Spirit. And the, and the priest could only feed on the bread of the presence of God Not by natural light, but by supernatural Holy Spirit light. Now, the reason why I'm bringing that up is because the four and fivers, the gifts to the body, are to bring the Word of God in such a way that it's fresh bread, that it's like the presence of God, the face of Jesus, and it is to to be used by God in a way that that God can naturally, supernaturally create what has already been placed in your DNA. An ever-increasing, are you with me? An ever-increasing Genesis effect so that you can be your full self, not selfish or a fool, but your full self within the parameters of body, Temple, family, flock, bride, and army. Every one of us. Now, 12 loaves representing the 12 tribes of Israel. Here's what's interesting. How many disciples did Jesus have? Do you remember when there were 5,000 people out in a, in a place and Jesus says to Philip, I want us to feed them, right? What did he feed them? Bread, right? All you Bible nerds. After they ate, Jesus said to the 12, go and collect the fragments. We don't want to waste anything. How many baskets did they pick up? 12. One for each. Just like the temple. Just like the tabernacle. The bread of the face. Did God show his face through the ministry of Jesus? He then goes on to use what he did as a sermon to say, I am the bread of life. I am the Zoe of God. I, you eat me, you eat off me, you feed for me and you'll live forever. Now here's the thing. Jesus said his words are spirit and life. What I'm, what I'm hoping to do through these messages is not get through a message or get through a series or beat the clock. I'm hoping to get a message through to you. I'm hoping to get a message through to you. To get you out of here today. Like I used to leave Sister Bruce's class and it would be lunchtime And I was hungry, but what God used her to say in that lecture made me feel like before I went and got a cheeseburger from the cafeteria, I had to go over and sit by the lake because she just set my head on fire. I had to go sit somewhere and process out 
what God had me sit in front of a retired 45 years in ministry to giant Hindu priests in India. Why God allowed me to hear what she said about things that God wanted to say about the future of his church. And I couldn't just go get a Coke and a hamburger and move on past. I am praying to God that he won't waste my I won't waste his time, and I won't waste yours, and you won't waste mine. We've heard enough sermons, and we are still immature. I'm not meaning individually. I'm meaning corporately. Solid doctrine is a must. If God gives me grace, I never, ever want to deviate from solid Doctrine. I want to rightly divide this word, and I want to give you a word. And if this is your first week, I don't preach 30-minute Lucky Charms sermons. I've tried. I can't do it. And there's never a time that I leave here and feel like I've done a good job. Never. I never feel like I've done a good job. I don't know if that's good or not. But I'd rather, I'd rather not be satisfied with a half-baked performance and presentation. Because on my watch, I want God to get through to you. And I want to get through to God, and I want God to get through to me. Doctrine is a must. I will do my very best to watch my doctrine and life closely. But... The dynamic power of his presence must be in and on the presentation of our doctrine. Do you hear me? We bring our doctrinal dissertations. We are to bring our sermons and our Bible studies out from the lampstand and the table where we've seen his face in the bread. The four and fivers are to minister in such a way that we naturally live in the trade winds of heaven. That we're on the sea lanes of God's grace. That the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus from what we present is not the letter that kills, but the spirit that transforms us from glory to glory to glory. It reminds me of being in the airport when I'm going, uh, when I'm in LAX and I, and, and I, and I want to get, get through because it's big, people everywhere. And I love that thing they put in there that's like the, uh, what do you call that thing? Uh, I can't think of what you call it, uh, uh, like, like the conveyor belt thing, right? And, and people are walking real slow and you got to go, you got to get there. I remember in Vegas one time I had to get to all the way to the other side and it was like, I wasn't going to make it. And, and, but thank God for that conveyor belt thing. Because people were walking on the carpet. You get on that, and you can go, and you're like, zoom, you're by, you're by them. That's what I mean by the Genesis case. It's not preaching sermons and listening to sermons and going to church. It's doing that, but it's somebody coming out from the holy place. Somebody in the shine kids from the holy place. It's Ollie in the move, but on the move. Huh? And you're on the conveyor belt. 
while we're going slow. You are warp speeding it in the gen. You're in the trade winds of God. Let, let me just. Okay, so I'm preaching this series and I'm committed to this series and I, and I want to be committed to this series. People say, how long it's going to go? And I say, I don't know. And why are you asking? Where are you going? Where do you need me to go? What? So I'm getting ready to preach this message last Friday. And I wake up and this voice says to me, no, preach a message called Evil Unintended. And I thought, wow, maybe it was Thursday. I thought, how, Tim, I got to get, that means I got to, I don't even know where I'm going with this. I got to get a PowerPoint out, deadline to get it to Tim, to get a blah, da da da. See, accusative singular. But the accusative singular is the voice of God. Not our plans, the voice of God. And so, and so, take these off so I can't see the time. And so, where are you? Oh, right. And so, we did that. I, I, don't, I don't take credit for I don't take credit for that, but I will say this, and I've said to others, last week, other than the time my brother Gerald Trimble was up here on here, I have never felt the providential power of the Holy Spirit so orchestrate a service like those two. And you know when they're on the same Sunday, a year apart? We didn't get in a staff meeting and go, I got an idea. Right? Wisdom, Jesus said, will be proved right by the fruit it bears. Okay? So you can be smart in the book, but not in the timing of the spirit of the book. We can bear fruit that looks good or bear fruit for God. Oh, man. That's how Jesus builds his church. Preaching the Bible, rightly dividing the word of truth, does not guarantee that a church will mature in the metaphors defined by Jesus who evaluates the church. If you've not read how Jesus evaluates the church in a while, read the first three chapters of the book of Revelation. All right, let's, let's jump way down. Because I covered a lot of stuff I'm looking at right now. Go with me. Do you have your Bible? Go with me to Acts chapter 20. Like, that's not in a PowerPoint. I know. So if you didn't bring your Bible this week, you better bring it next week because you have to write this on, on, your, on your husband's sleeve and go home and look up this verse. Acts chapter 20, Paul is preaching. Paul is, has met with the Ephesian elders and he's going to leave. He's never going to see them again ever. He knows he's never going to see them again. He has ministered there for three years. He's never going to see them again. He's going to Jerusalem. The Holy Spirit's already told him he's going to get, he's, it's going to go bad for him there, but he goes anyway. And uh, then he's going to get arrested in Jerusalem, go to Rome. He's going to be in house arrest for a number of years. Then he's going to be executed. All right? So this is his farewell message to the Ephesian elders. 
And, I, and you can read it all on your time. Uh, it starts in the 17th verse, but I want to read the 19th verse. This is Paul. He says, you know me, you know me, you know me. And then he says, I was serving the Lord with all humility and with tears and with trials, which came upon me through the plots of the Jews. There are plots on pastors. Verse 20, how I did not shrink, I didn't wimp out, my version, from declaring to you anything that was profitable and teaching you publicly and house to house. Jump over to the 26th verse. 21 is great, but one of time. 26 to 28. Therefore, I testify to you this day, Paul said, I am innocent of the blood of all men. You know what that means? That means, Paul says, if I wouldn't have told you the truth, out of wanting your, your, your uh, financial increase and wanting to be nice and, and, and wanting you to like me, your blood of your disobedience, God would hold on my head. It's going to get harder for and fivers to preach this book in the next 10 years. You might as well settle it right now. You might as well settle it. I did not shrink from declaring to you the whole counsel of God. Be on guard for yourselves and for all the flock. See that metaphor, flock? Among which the Holy Spirit, foreign fibers, has made you overseers. To shepherd the church of God. How serious? He purchased it with his own blood. Fear that more than you fear what somebody's going to say about what you said. They're not going to be the one that will stand there and can. Verse 31. Therefore be on the alert, remembering that night and day for a period of three years, I did not cease to admonish each one with tears. And then he says, I love this. And now I commend you, this is Sister Bruce verse, I had it underlined. And now I, 1986, five. And now I commend you to God. She said, brothers, commend your people to God in the word of his grace. This tall little British woman, lioness of the spirit. Which is able, the word of God's grace is what able to, what? Build you up. Oikodome. Accusative singular. Equip. The work. The building up. Paul never lost sight on the bullseye. He is at the end of his journey and he's kept it all the way. Among those who are the Sanctified. Sanctified. Turn with me to Proverbs chapter 8. Proverbs chapter 8. Let me hear the, let me hear the pages blowing like a rustling mighty wind. Proverbs chapter 8, verse 32. Everybody, everybody in the body of Christ should have these verses down, but every four and fiver must have these down. 
Verse number 34. Blessed is the man or woman who listens to me, watching daily at my gates, waiting at my doorposts. For he who finds me finds life and obtains favor from the Lord. You want favor? For future four and fiver. You want favor on your ministry? You want favor on your church? His church. But you want favor? You want favor? Listen to his voice. Take time to slow down and listen to the voice. Isaiah chapter 50. Isaiah, turn right. Turn right, go past Ecclesiastes, Song of Solomon. Land in Isaiah, go to the 50th. Isaiah 50, verse 4. I came across this years ago. Isaiah is my favorite book in the Bible. If you ever on a game show and they ask you what my favorite book is, but anyway. <laughs> Isaiah chapter 50, verse 4. I came across this and I prayed this prayer that God would actualize this in my life. And he has. The Lord God has given me the tongue of disciples or the tongue of discipleship or the ability. This is the, listen, dust, listen to this. This is the accusative singular. Those that are at the, at the bread of the face. He gives you the, the tongue to, to preach, to disciple the people. Okay? Who does it? The Lord God. The Lord God has given me, it's a gift. You can't, hey, who, who can boast in this? Who can boast? I'm a knucklehead going on the next thing and the Holy Spirit speaks to me and says, evil uninvited. I, don't need, I can't even claim copyright permission to the to rights to the title. I give you this so that I'm, so, listen, the Lord God has given me the tongue of disciples that I may know how to sustain the weary one with a word. You can go to the Sustaining the Weary Ones conference and that's not a bad thing. Or you can say, God, wake me in the morning, not about me. I am in a place. I want to stand faithful in an accusative singular tense. That the people who come out who are in the genitive case in their life with Jesus, I can feed them so that they naturally evolve into the fulfillment of their life in the body of Christ. You, 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 you tracking with me on this? You tracking with me on this? Are you tracking with me on this? Yes. Okay. Okay. He wakens me morning by morning. He wakens my ear to listen as a disciple. This goes on to talk about the, the Messiah. And those who follow him must follow. He said, he said, if you follow me, you got to carry your cross. And that's what he talks about from there all the way to 54. Jeremiah 31, 14. Let's see, it's only, uh, we didn't change the clock. It's only 10, 10 right now. <laughs> I love this verse. It's in the new covenant. It's in the old covenant. The old covenant prophet Jeremiah, hearing God talk about the new covenant. Verse 14, look at this. Ollie, look at this. Hey, future four and fivers, look at this. Hey, church, this is what you want to pray when you're praying for your pastor. 
and I know you do. I'm blessed. I'm blessed. For those of you who are searching for a pastor, I've had people come up to me and say, hey, Pastor Tim, I uh, hear good things about your church. Hey, pray for us. We're looking for a pastor. I've lived in this community long enough that I have earned the right to say this. What I wish that some of you churches would do is get out of the way of your next pastor and let him pastor instead of being a table waiter and visit in the hospital 60 hours a week so he can get in the holy place because what you need more than him christening your grandma's cat You laugh. And visit an Uncle Ernie that you haven't talked to for 30 years. You need to let him or her get in the holy place with the lampstand and the bread of the face and come out of there and tell you what you want to hear and what you don't. So we can build the body of Christ. I love this. I will fill the soul. This week, pray, pray. I will fill the soul of the priests with abundance. And my people will be satisfied with my goodness. When the priest is full of the abundance of the bread, the church will be in the abundance of God's goodness. Amen. Let's move on. The equipping. Ho caratismos, it means to mend, to set right, to set in place. So when you come out of the holy place with a fresh word in the word, never deviating from what the word meant, rightly divided, but you have the breath of God on it, you're coming into a community of people known as the hagios, the saints. The, the, the word for saints is in the genitive case, meaning that these are born again, awakened people with heaven's breath with gifts they don't even yet know they have, living in this embryonic sense of ready to launch. And you are to be in the equipping of that. You're not to be their life coach. You're not to be their organizational coordinator. You are to feed them to natural life. And then get the heck out of their way. And let the body breathe. Get the grave clothes off Lazarus. He's a resurrected man. He's all wrapped up. Get the clothes off of him so he can live from the quickening of the voice of Jesus. Anybody with me? Yeah. To the work, to the work, the diakonia, the service. Every believer is gifted to be a part of the servanting in the church. Your heart is already coded with a spiritual DNA. You already have a giftedness and spiritual leadership led by the Spirit can minister that to life in your life. All right, I'm going to jump way down to the part that says God's plan for gifted hagios, all right? Three verses and I'm done. God's plan for the gifted hagios, that's who you are. I think he called me a gifted hog today. I don't know. No, no, no. Hagias means Hagias. Hagias means saint. It means believer. It's uh, if you're in Ephesus, I'm going to do a, I'm going to do a sermon where we see how God came to Ephesus in the Book of Acts in this series with uh, with uh, with Paul. 
Amazing. Um, but prior to, and, and I love Paul because he uses these words that just flips them on their head. When the people in Ephesus thought of the Hagias, we don't think of it this way. We don't think of saints. It was, it, there were these people that would go to these temples uh, to, to, to hear an oracle. There would be these demon-possessed. They didn't think of it that way. Spiritual, they were spiritual people, demon-possessed, who, who would get, woo, and they'd have a word, and they'd give an oracle to people. And some people would actually, the, the word hagias was where you gave your body over to the goddess, Diana, to be possessed. When, when the Ephesian people heard the word hagias, that's where their head went. Paul uses that word, flips it on its head, and calls the church of Jesus Christ the hagias. Possessed with a holy spirit. Possessed with such a super power from God that you really live a natural life and a natural marriage and natural parenting. And you line things. You've been mended by the, by the foreign fibers to do it the right way, but not through code, but through the Genesis effect. You with me? Gary France, you're back there with me? You back there? There's the guy who looks like Gary France. Hi, guy looks like Gary France. Anyway. <laughs> All right, here we go. God's plan for the gift at Hagios. Ephesians 1.11. Also, we have obtained an inheritance. We are all, that's us. Having been predestined according to his purpose, who works all things after the counsel of his will, to the end, the goal, that we who are the first to hope in Christ, this is what we're talking about, that your life the way you live your life in the community, in the body, in the bride, and in the world would be to the praise of his glory. Right? Here's God's goal for the gifted Haggis. Number two, Ephesians 2.10. For we are his workmanship. This, the phrase for workmanship isn't that he did it and he's finished. It is a constant work in progress. Good work. God work. We are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works. Now look, watch this real quick. God doesn't need busy churches. God doesn't need busy Christians. God doesn't need a busy staff. God needs us to listen and get into the good works that he prepared beforehand so we could walk in them. God wants us to find the conveyor belt. Picture walking through, you know when you go and they, they hold up the signs and say, Tim McGregor, limo, they, Aston Martin, never happened yet. <laughs> but picture there was a limo, not a limo, picture there was a conveyor belt with your spiritual identity and DNA on it where you could see and God said, get on here. Get on here. And you get on there, and then you start making pace past the, the, those who are walking around like this in the world. We're going to get that verse in, in another week. Not understanding what the will of the Lord is and why that is. But you are just along your way. And then sometimes you stop and go, hey, what do you stop for? God stopped. There's a reason when God stops. But anyway, that's another thing too. But picture that. God isn't looking for us to be busy do-gooders. He's looking for us to be build up God doers. Totally different. And finally, finally, finally. Ephesians 
Even Christ. From whom? Where does the source come from? Christ. Where's the Genesis case? Where's the conveyor belt? It's Christ. It's not, I believed in Jesus, got my Jesus Club card, I do my devotions, go to church. It's not, that's not, that's not, that's not. He that's busy isn't busy being born again, is busy dying again. From whom the whole body, being present tense, fitted and held together by whatever every joint supplies. You can, you can change the word joint to hagios. You're a hagios, you're a joint. Are you a supplier? Are you a supplier? What does it mean to supply? You and your cell is supplying health to the body, connection to the family, enhanced hearing to the flock, holy living, defined by God, not church, creating a, a swell up of love, fervent love, saying, even so come, Lord Jesus, anticipating the soon coming of Christ. And fighting for your brothers in the spirit, fighting for families, fighting for leaders, fighting for the, Paul said, pray for me that I'll have boldness to preach this. Why? Because every place he went, he got beat for doing so. I mean, it actually comes to the part, a time he's in Corinth, where Jesus has to reveal himself to him and say, Paul, don't be afraid here, Paul. He's just come from being beaten to death, left for dead. They thought he was dead. It happened twice. Twice. Beaten with rods. And now he's in Corinth, and here we go again. And, and Jesus says, I got good news for you. Not here. I got many people in this town. He's probably thinking, jeez, Right? He's, but So Paul says, pray for me. Pray for me. I can get up here and strut my stuff about how bold I am to preach the truth, but there's nobody out there with a machine gun ready to shoot me when I walk out the door. There's nobody that's going to take our tax-exempt stat away yet. 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 I can still preach Romans 1. Let the reader understand. Paul said, pray that I have boldness. All right. Let me finish. Whatever Hagia supplies, according to the proper working, see, that's not just doing stuff, the proper working of each individual part, everybody feeding, everybody listening, everybody before the Lord, everybody said, my, my whole life is yours, Lord, my whole life, not just the leadership, not just the ones that are called in the full-time ministry. Uh, Lord, you saved me to serve. You, I'm, my, I'm not my own. That's what causes the growth of the body. Look, I don't know if the Jets, God love them, I don't know if they're playing on their home field today or on the road, probably praying they're on the road because they're probably get beat 45 to 3 again. You know, think about those, think about it. There will be people who are, <laughs> there are people that literally go to certain games and literally think their team's going to win. There are people like me 
who say every year, I divorce the Pittsburgh Pirates. Man, I divorce their, I, their, th- yeah, their thing. I divorce them. And then you know what happens, Roy, in March? Someone sends me a thing and says, did you hear about this guy they got in the double A? And there I go. This is it. <laughs> this is the year. The battle at Buckos. This is it. How much does it cost? $50 a park? Who cares? <laughs> Give me three. And you know what? By May, I'm like, stick it. <laughs> and it is fun to go to a stadium and you look out and there's 50,000 rocking fans. But look, when you're down 11 to 2 in the, in the third inning, the fun's over. 50,000 people. I've been to a Chicago Bears game before back in the day when they. And those people are like screaming bloody murder. Like they, like they wish they could get away with murdering the quarterback for real. Like boom, you know, like you can hear them. You're thinking, I'm thinking, you guys pay money to do this every weekend? <laughs> so how many people, I've had people walking through, how many people you guys have? Walk through. How's your church doing? I know what people are meaning when they say that. I remember when there was less than more. I remember getting so tired of it that someone would try to size my ministry success up based on how many we had. I got tired of it one time and I said, well, praise God we have them leaving. We don't have many great additions, but we got some awesome subtractions. I've been doing this a long time. As you can see, I've totally lost my place. I'm saying all that kind of stuff to say, while not, I, I, God would have to pry my soul's grip off this church for me to leave here ever. Ever. Because this is awesome. You guys are awesome. You're awesome. And the Lord's blessings on our church in spite of us and, and because of us, whatever that means. Comes the music. I just felt like the Lord lifted me to another level of spirituality. (laughs) And you know people. But can we turn that down, please? I got ADD. Thank you. Just a little bit. Thanks. Um, While we're doing all the church, 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 I don't know the kid. Do you know the kid that uh, took the life of his family? This kid sitting here last week. I could tell. Someone probably never heard the gospel in their life. Never felt the presence of God. And you know what? We, I love coming in here. I remember preaching on Wednesday nights doing 15 weeks of study on Hebrews 
And I preached it to the Whartons, my mother, and I think my dog Brinkley. (laughs) And preaching to more is way better than preaching to five. But with that said, how many people need what we're experiencing every week? Not this part, the worship part, the how many people don't know their right from their left? I don't mean that in a bad way. How many people are crying out, God, this, have you, God, if you're really real, send somebody my way. Tony, they might be in your restaurant this week, right? Sure they will be. Sure they will be. They might be getting their teeth cleaned where you are. They might be getting their oil changed where you are. They're certainly trying to open the lock combination in the hallway of Braddock Middle School. Absolutely. Yeah. And we have to listen. We have to be ready. We have to make a difference. Last thing I want to say is what Rick Warren said. If others don't use their gifts, you get cheated. If you don't use your gifts, they get cheated. Would you stand, please? Everybody bow your heads. Would you just create a posture in your heart? I know I'm going to probably preach an hour every week, guys, so let's get used to it. Let's have a posture. Lord, we just want to humble ourselves before the Holy Spirit in the person of Jesus Christ. And we come here, Lord, to be servants. We come here, Lord, not wanting to live under the compulsory pressures of religion to be do-gooders. I don't want any way that I preach to pressure anybody to be something to conform them to the image of church. I don't want us to live as a staff or or leadership team under a pressure of trying to keep the church from falling apart or how we can keep them coming back or how we can get over the top, whatever that means. I pray that we'd be a feeding station I pray you'd feed us to feed them. And I pray for every person in this room who is a part of the Hagias, the sainthood of God, the body of Christ, that they would know they've been bought with a price, that God ordained for them to hear the gospel, for their families, for their ears to hear it and believe it, for their heart to receive it for a purpose. May every cell in their body ring out that Jesus is Lord and deserves a worthy walk. May they this week make a fresh commitment to listening and learning your ways from the book. But may they not just possess the book, but may the book possess them and may they be living temples of the presence 
God. Lord, this is not my church and it's not their church. This is your church and we are yours. We come to you like Cornelius did in front of Simon Peter and we say, we are here to hear what you would have to say to us and to do your will. And that's my message for today.